Hello, my name is David Coletta, and I'm the senior leader at Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name, amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
talk to you guys about waiting. Waiting. How many of you like to wait? Put your hand up so I can come and smack. No, just kidding. <laughs> I mean, waiting is not something that we like to do. Let's face it. Let's be honest about it. Have you ever wondered why they call it the minute clinic when you got to wait for hours? I'm like, they're lying. <laughs> like, that's such a lie. What is the minute clinic? They should call it like the hours clinic. You know, I mean, I, that's probably the, the one thing that I absolutely detest, sitting in a doctor's office and waiting to be called. It's like 15 minutes, 30, an hour. I'm like, what? Time seems to like slip through our fingers. Waiting involves a delayed action or a pause that we are forced to take that is independent of how we feel or what our response or our willingness to act should be like. Now repeat that again. It's a delayed action or a pause that is forced on us <clears throat> to take independent of our willingness to take a step or an action. Now, let me illustrate it this way. If you go to a mechanic and you need to get, I don't know, your starter changed, uh, and you go there and you're just like, that's, that's the other place where they tell you, it's, oh, it's just going to be like, you know, there's nobody here, maybe like an hour to change the start. It's an easy job. Don't worry about it. And then three hours later, you're wondering what in the world is going on? What are they doing? Now, you are forced to wait and there's nothing that you can do, right? You understand that your willingness to act at that point you cannot force yourself and go into the mechanic shop and tell the guys, move out of my way. I can help you. I know how to replace a starter. Because waiting at that point is enforced on you. Right? Now, if we're honest about it, we can say that we are hopefully, hopefully coming to an end to this dramatic season of our lives that, uh, that we have lived through COVID. And... Um, I would say that this season has been, to some degree, highlighted by a lack of patience on a lot of us. Uh, at, at least it has highlighted the fact that we had less patience than we thought of. You know, I mean, you know, you, you remember those days when you have to get in the car and drive and get stuck in traffic? And he's like, it's so much better now, isn't it? We have, like, developed all of these new habits and new ways of doing things. Uh, like, shopping. Like, who shops anymore? Like, do you actually go? I mean, I, it was a foreign thing for me to actually, people telling me, oh, yeah, I grocery shop online. I'm like, what? Online? Grocery shop? I want to see that apple in my hand before I buy it. You know what I mean? You know, I'm, the, I'm maybe old-fashioned that way. But uh, Amazon, I mean, uh, are there any more vehicles on the road than Amazon vehicles? I don't think so. I mean, they like, I think during COVID, they said, let's just go buy another zillion vehicles and just so that we can distribute all the services and all the goods that, that people want. The truth of the matter is that 
we want things done quickly. We want them done fast. Even now, I think that uh, when you look at devices and technology, technology is being devised in a way that uh, really want, I mean, we want things to be done for us quickly, fast, right? Now, let me illustrate it this way. You know, I could go to my phone and open up my phone and go, uh, you can count how many seconds, you know, to, to my app and go to AccuWeather and say, okay, oh, right now it's 43 degrees. Um, it took me like, what, maybe 15, 20 seconds? Or I can do this. Hey, Siri, what's the weather outside? It's currently clear and 45 degrees. And I do that all the time. I'm like literally that lazy. I'm trying to illustrate something to you. <laughs> I've gotten so used to doing stuff like this that it's like, what in the world is going on? We are a nation of impatient people. We are. And I have to admit that I'm one of those guys that falls prey to that. When I think about some of the ways and things that we display our impatience, at times I think that it's not just going to be something that we individually will pay consequences for down the road. I think that we're raising a new generation of kids in our society that are so used to things being done at the snap of a finger. It's going to be a very frustrating thing. Any kids in the room? Sorry, no. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's going to be a frustrating thing for parents to raise children in an age in which we live in because things have got to be done quickly. I want it, and I want it now. You know, I want it done now. I want it fixed now. We typically, unfortunately, run away from any kind of discomfort in our life. Anything that causes us discomfort, we don't want to deal with. And so technology that makes things easy, yeah, we're thumbs up for that. And anything that makes things easier for us is great. Now, as Bible-believing Christians, even though our culture does not do well with waiting and technology seems to do everything in its power to make our life easier and reduce waiting time, we must realize one thing. We are citizens of a different kingdom. We're citizens of a different kingdom. Now, God works on a different timetable than we do. In God, there is absolutely no problem with waiting. I'm going to say it again. In God, there's absolutely no problem when it comes to waiting. Now, that may come as a shock to you. But that is the truth. That is the reality. God is not concerned with waiting as we are. In the kingdom of God, in fact, waiting is the antithesis of what we hear daily in our society about waiting. It's the opposite. You think that, you know, you just got to go, 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 get it done, get it done, hurry up, quick, quick. And God is saying, mm -mm. take your time and wait. Now, waiting can be a positive factor. 
A factor that God, in so many ways through waiting, is able to change us. God is always working. Even when we pray and we're doing, you know, God is always working in each and every one of us. And God is taking that time to working behind the scenes and he's changing and he's transforming things and people and circumstances. And so many times our need to just get things done right there and then is the actual opposite of what God wants to do in that moment. Sometimes that feeds our propensity for disobedience because we just want it and we want it now. And God is saying, mm, just wait a moment. I want to read to you our text today from Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 25. Lamentation chapter 3 and verse 25. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a verse that has always spoken to me, but never like it has recently. It says, the Lord is good. And I think that if we stop there, we probably feel really good about it. We say, oh yeah, the Lord is good to those who wait for him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. Now, you know what that translation literally, literally should read like this. Good is Jehovah to those waiting for him, to the soul that seeks him. God is good to you and he is good to me when we actually take a step back and we wait on the Lord before taking the next step. Now, you see, God at times is silent. And when God is silent, that can become very quickly a very uneasy and very uncomfortable thing in us because we want God to speak we want to hear from God. We want to know what is going on in my life, God. I need to hear from you, and I need to hear from you now. Waiting is perhaps one of the most powerful tools that God will ever use in our lives because you know why? As we wait on his purposes from God to us and for us and in us, that will oftentimes set us free from this impatient attitude that we have. But in the end, we've got to be willing. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a message to you that I've been working on with God. I, I want you to know, I wrote down notes on this in 2019. And I felt the Lord redirecting me to it. And I put a, a note on a piece of paper saying, preach it one day. Because I'm still working through it. And all of us are working through this impatient thing that we got in us about waiting. We have got to learn to wait. Somebody said this, waiting is self-care that can be a positive impact on both our physical, emotional, as well as our spiritual state of being. It is self-care. In other words, waiting is good for us. It is a very good part of our lives. Just like the scripture said, it is good to wait on the Lord. It is good. Now, John Piper put it this way. 
And I put it up on the screen as well so that you can read it with me. Waiting on the Lord is the opposite of running ahead of the Lord. That's a pretty good quote, right? It's also the opposite of bailing out on the Lord. It is staying in your appointed place while he says stay, or it is going to its appointed pace while he says go. It is not impetus, and it's not despairing. Let me ask you a question. Have you found yourself lacking patience? Praying that something would happen, and it didn't? You want God to move in your life. You want God to move in us. We want God to move in us. And we want him to move now, not later, but nothing. You have dreams and desires, and and your heart is just like bursting forth. Like you just want to get these dreams that you have on paper, these desires that you have had in your heart and mind, all to work for you, but nothing. Silence. You see, sometimes the mistake that we make is that we set our demands on God. And we tell him, okay, God, I want things done this way. It's like that young lady that was, wanted to get married, and she had 20, a list of 25 important things that she wanted in a man. Because I want my man to be, you know, I want him to have blonde hair. I want him to have blue eyes. I want him to be like jacked and muscular. I want him to be athletic. I want him to be a singer. I want him to be funny. I want him to be a dad. I want him to be all these things, a list of 25 things. I mean, like, this is the perfect man. And I know, some of you women are saying, yeah, that's right. I found him. He's next to me. <laughs> but you know what happened? She got discouraged. You know how many things she has on her list right now? Two. God, I want him to be a man, and God, please let him have a job. (laughs) Because, you know, sometimes we set our demands before God, and we want things to be on our own timetables in the way that we expect God that should act on our behalf, and that doesn't always happen that way. How about you? Have you been praying for things in your life that have not yet happened? Maybe you are praying for a husband or a wife. Make sure you lower your demands. (laughs) Maybe you have been praying for a child and that has not yet happened. Maybe you've been waiting for the start of a business. All these dreams that you have on paper ready to go, but you just have not been able to kick it off the ground. Maybe you've been waiting for an open door of ministry. Your heart desire, you just want to move and want to do great things for God, but it's just not the right time. Now, I understand that waiting is not just a passive thing. You need to pray. You need to talk to God. You need to talk to people. You need to get things organized around you. Take active steps. But there's a fine balance, guys. There's a very fine balance. Because I know usually my desire to see my dreams accomplished becomes my need to get things moving. And so my desire to say, God, I believe you have spoken to me. I have the promises of God in my hands. I know that God has spoken, and I just got to get it going. I got to get it done. But that is just more of a desire that I have in my heart to fulfill my dreams and my desire and my ministry aspirations. And oftentimes God is saying, stop, pause. 
Now, please guys, don't hear me wrong when I'm saying that action is not wrong. Action is right. God prompted actions are good and we need to take them when God speaks. But we have got to see things the way God sees things. And I, I'm afraid that, that we as preachers have done a disservice to God's people when we preach messages about, oh, you got great dreams and God has got a great purpose for you. Go and fulfill all of your dreams. Go and invest. And you, you are great. You are awesome. You are this. You are that. You are the other. And we have stopped looking at the whole counsel of God. You are great. You are awesome. Everything that God says about you is the truth. But there comes the time when God says, hey, I want you to do absolutely nothing. Be still and know that I am God. And that is just a hard pill to swallow because we just got, we, wanna, we are people of action. I, God, I have all these dreams that I got to, I, I don't have time to stand still and stop and wait for things to happen. I don't have time for provision to come by somebody. I, I got to get it happen. It's got to happen. Come on, God. And so we have done a disservice and it's an injustice to God's people to say, life is grand. Life is beautiful. You can do anything. You're awesome. Go for it. Go for it. And then we fall flat on our face and we look around and those people that told us to go for it are no longer there. And the people that really matter in our lives are not there because we never brought them in. You know, our troubles really started all the way back. I'll take you on a journey all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve had everything that they needed and everything that they could have ever wanted to have at their disposal, had God's presence, had food, nourishment, beautiful, everything was just beautiful. But somehow, that was not enough. And they took a different route that day. In Genesis chapter 2 and verses 16 and 17, we read this. And the Lord commended the man, you are free to eat from any tree. Free. Any tree that is in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now, Adam and Eve were with God. I, I want you to picture there as much as you can in your mind. I know that it's not easy to picture this. But God and Adam and Eve actually walked with God. They were there with him in the garden. The Bible reminds us that they talked together. They, they had strolls at night. I mean, that's a great thing, isn't it? We just had dinner. Hey, God, let's just go for a walk. That is amazing. They had everything that they needed. Everything was open, bare, beautiful before God. But in Genesis chapter 3, and I don't have time to go into all of this detail and read you all the scriptures, but in Genesis chapter 3, the chapter opens with this. Out of the blue, this very interesting verse 
that says that the serpent was craftier than all of the creatures. What? 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 Why? What? The, the serpent was craftier. The serpent that day enticed Adam and Eve and twisted their understanding of what God told them, and they suddenly thought that they knew better than God. And so they took that forbidden direction that God had told them not to go towards and ate the fruit that God told them not to eat. And their eyes were open for the first time. Their own humanity, their own sinfulness, it all, all of a sudden reappeared before them. They needed to cover themselves. And so they made covering out of fig leaves. And you know what? Um, I don't know how many thousands of years exactly to a, a day, but I can tell you that for thousands of years, we are still trying to do the same thing. When we can't get our way, when we disobey God, we are still trying to cover ourselves naked and ashamed of the one who can actually walk and commune with us and speak with us and have a relationship with us. We're hiding from the one who actually can and will when we are in agreement with him, restore our lives and give us purpose. So why do we struggle with waiting? That's what I want to tackle today. Why do we struggle with the concept of waiting? Next week, I promise you I'm going to bless you because I want to talk about the blessings that come from waiting. But today I want to talk to you real quick about the struggle of waiting. Number one, I believe that we struggle with waiting because since sin entered the world, since that moment, we started questioning God's intentions for us. Did God really say, I should not do this? Why not try to take that step that's in front of me? What's wrong with talking to that guy to help me out in my business? If God isn't in it, I mean, that will be great. But if for some reason God's not in it, then hey, no harm, no foul. It's okay, right? Why should I wait when I can talk to a friend of mine who can make things happen? I, you know, I've gone to school. I know that, you know, the, the, the rules of business, A, B, and C. If I do those three things, things are just going to be great. I learned that. Maybe I can take my retirement and invest that retirement into that business venture or that ministry opportunity that I want to start. After all, I mean, hey, you know, I, I, I do want to do something for God. I, I want to I be able, first of all, I, I want to I bring my family on vacation more often. I mean, we've been struggling. And so if I can take what I have and reinvest it and do something good with it, I can take my family on vacation. It's going to be great. I want to take them to Italy. You know, I mean, of course, Italy is the best country in the world. Everybody knows that. You know, and I, you know, not only that, but I also want to bless the kingdom of God. I mean, God's going to just pour the finances and I'm going to give, give, give. But you know what? Let me stop. Time out. Time out for a moment. Right. How is it that we can dream of giving God thousands of dollars when we can give God a hundred dollars? And how is it that you can Think of taking your family on vacation to Italy when you actually haven't even taken them to go to the park. We have got to start somewhere. Let's have some process of reasoning that actually makes sense. Very great ideas, right? 
But God's purposes and intentions for us are a little different. You know, first of all, let's establish this. God wants to bless us. God wants to bless you and me. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11 says this, For I know the plans that I have for you. That alone should absolutely cause us to stop and trust Him 100%. You know why? Because He already knows the plans that He's got for you. And we are trying to make things happen when we haven't gone to the source. God already has it all mapped out. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is not your enemy and my enemy. He is not. He wants us to prosper. Waiting on God is not bad when God is in it because that is when we learn something. We learn something about God. God strengthens our character. He works in us His purposes, His plan to work through our lives, and, and He's, he's going to make things work for us, guys. I know that 100% because I've seen it in my life. God will make things work in your life, in my life, when we learn to pause and wait. Now, it took me a couple of decades to learn this. Uh, you know, when I uh, stepped away from pastoring in 1995, and, uh, you know, over time joined a technology company and, and you know, worked for a, a couple of technology companies uh, for about 25 years. I honestly thought that when I stepped away in 1995 that I needed a little breather, a little break. I needed God to restore our lives, God to bring our, my wife and I back together as husband and wife. We had drawn completely apart from each other. And you know what? We needed that time. And I thought, oh, you know, well, just maybe a year, you know. You know, I'm talking to people that are restoring my lives and, that are, you know, putting, you know, following me and so on and so forth. That took a little longer. And I oftentimes questioned God and said, why this long? But you know what? I have no right to put demands on God. He owes me nothing. He owes you nothing. It is all done by grace and by mercy. And so I had to learn that for my own life. And while waiting sometimes feels useless to us, God is still working. God is organizing circumstances and talking to people and managing a whole project plan behind you, if you want me to use, you know, common language for some of you guys. He's got his project plan with a thousand lines and everything is falling into place if we just give him a chance. Now, you can make things happen by yourself and even attain a measure of success. I believe that. But is it not better to wait on God and for God to make a way for us? He can pave a way for us in the desert, guys, when things look so bleak and hard and difficult and you're looking at circumstances and you're saying, how can God actually touch the situation? How can He bring my son back? How can He allow me to have a baby? The, the doctors are telling me it's absolutely impossible. How can things happen? Because God is God and we are not. God can make a way in the desert. And if you believe that God has spoken to you, 
and you truly believe that God is telling you move, then I would say this, don't act alone. Have someone over you that can encourage you. Watch what's going on. You know, we call that a covering, right? Have a covering. Trusted people that can pray for you and support you in the process. And even when you think you don't need it, when things don't actually turn out the best way that you thought they would, they can be there for you to support you and strengthen you. I have a word to the wise to give to some of us that have fallen flat on this. If you have started seven different businesses and ten different ministries, and each time you believe God told you to do so, but you got more frustrated and disappointed and disillusioned with each opportunity, then you know what? You need to stop. Stop. Stop before you launch the next business venture and the next ministry opportunity. Stop and let God open the door for you once. I know that's not what you came here to listen I know you didn't want to hear. I know you wanted to hear, oh, God's got great plans for your life. Go and start that next ministry, number 17. And you know what? You've never had anybody that's close to you that you've actually trusted to tell you you need to stop right now. And you need to humble yourself and allow God through a process in your life. These are harsh things to hear. I know. But you know what? I've lived them. That's why I've been working on this message for the past two years, almost three. It's because I'm like, God, how do we actually get to that point? Why is it that we are so frustrated? And we get frustrated because you know what? It's hard because our flesh wants to accomplish so much. And yet, sometimes our desires get in the way of God's plan. Number two. We, why do we get frustrated in the waiting? We compare and measure our successes while we watch the high, highlight reel of successful people. You know, if you're doing, I don't know, if you've you got a company and you're doing 500000 a year, stop comparing yourself to the CEO of a company that's, building, that, that's bringing in $10 billion a year. You follow what I'm saying? That is just an unfair comparison. We compare our successes to others who are very successful and we fall flat on our face and we think that God is not with us, that things are not happening. What if God wants you to remain where you're at? Does God always want our success and growth? Does he always want us to go to the next measure? You know, uh, I'm part of a book club we're reading a tremendous book. I know that some are reading it here already. It's called, it's called Sacred Pace by Terry Looper. And I want to encourage you, if you have a chance, write that down. Sacred Pace by Terry Looper, L-O-O-P-E-R. It will bless your life. This is a man who had a mogul when it comes to oil and investments, and he had multiplied millions of dollars, huge success, but that wasn't enough. It was never enough. And so he kept for pushing for more and more and more. I want more until he got so 
depleted in his body that he could not even get out of bed. Well, you know what? God taught him an incredible strategy that he uses today. He works, you know what, how many hours a week? 40 hours a week, not an hour more, not an hour less. And God has blessed him so much, and most of all, he's actually regained the confidence of his family, who had never seen him for years and years and years, because they always had dinner by themselves. He could not be there. We have got to sometimes take a look in what is truly happening. Psalm 39 and verse 5 says this, You have made my days a mere handbreadth. The span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath, even those who seem secure. Even those who think they got her all together, their life is but a breath. Terry Looper's life was but a breath, and he almost lost it because of his drive for more and more and more and more and more. Stop and ask yourself, do I need to have more? Or is God telling me, I'm good. I need to stop where I am. Sometimes that frustration is self-induced because we think that we have to go to the next step up. And maybe we just need to take it easy. Number three, waiting on God can be hard because we see the wicked prosper. That drives me crazy, doesn't that to you? I mean, like, why is that guy making that? Why, you know, this guy opens a church and he's got a thousand people, like, overnight. Why, our brother? Why is that even a question? It is. Sometimes we wonder. We ask why good things happen to wicked people. I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? If we try to make things happen to fight injustice, we are just going to hit our head against the wall. Let God open the doors and bless you and not whether others are prospering or not. It doesn't really matter. Let God deal with them. You deal with you. Number four, waiting on God can cause us to develop anxiety and fear when we listen to the wrong report. Yeah. You know, if you wait you will miss a great opportunity. Don't wait. Go for it. The devil whispers lies and sometimes he uses well-meaning people. And he paints a picture of despair if you cannot take the next step. But when is it that we decided that the devil was the right advisor for anything? If you are listening to wrong voices and wrong opinions in your life. You need to stop listening to those voices. He would send the real advisor. Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send you the real, the best advisor. It's called the Holy Spirit. And he is going to teach you. He's going to, check this, he's going to lead you into God-ordained strategies and opportunities. But before he can do that, he has to set us free. And he's, many times he's got to set us free from a Pharaoh's mindset and Pharaoh's comments. You remember what Pharaoh said to the people, his lies. You can't go out there. He tried to discourage Moses and the people from leaving Egypt because he had a vested interest. 
When we throw tantrums and we tell God that we don't want to wait, we keep, you know what we keep on doing? We keep on eating onions and we keep on eating garlic that we have been so used to eating when we were in Egypt. And then at the same time, we talk to people and we try to convince them that God is there. But you know what? The truth of the matter is that you got bad breath. And everybody knows that. Everybody hears it and sees it and smells it. And no one really actually believes that what you're saying is true because you've never really been in a place of success with God in the past. Trying to illustrate it in a way that maybe makes a little bit more sense. Maybe, maybe it doesn't. I don't know. And so we try, we try, we try. Because we're trying on our own. And we're listening to Pharaoh. You know what God says? Hey, you know what? Come to me. Trust me. I got steak, mashed potatoes, and apple pie. Wouldn't that be better? Isn't that better than onions and garlic? I mean, if you like onions and garlic, I got some for you. I'll bring them to you next week. But you know what? I would rather have a nice steak and mashed potatoes and apple pie for dessert. We miss it when we step outside of God's plan for our lives. Let me conclude by saying this. God invites us to trust in his goodness. He knows what's best for us in every single way that you can think of. I wrote this down almost two years ago. When we learn to relinquish control of our lives to God, we build a new level of trust, maturity, and character that will enable us to experience and enjoy God's blessings in the waiting. In the waiting room, when things are not the way you want them to be, and you relinquish control of your life to Him, that is when God is going to build you up, and your level of trust and confidence and maturity in your character will be strengthened because we will have learned to experience a God who provides and makes a way in all things. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc, click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.